Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. The parable in the Gospel for this weekend's readings basically summarizes salvation history. From the very beginning of the fall of grace with Adam and Eve to Jesus' passion, death, and resurrection, it basically summarizes God's plan to save us and bring about salvation to the world. Now, when you read these readings for this weekend, especially that first reading from Isaiah, as well as the Gospel, there's essentially a brooding darkness associated with them. Now, why is that? Well, in the Gospel, Jesus right now is coming into Jerusalem. He knows his death awaits him. It's just a matter of a few weeks or even just a few days. So, his teaching is very unambiguous very direct and to the point. In fact, it has to be. Jesus knows he has only just a little more time with his apostles before his death. Therefore, he must make sure that the apostles understand all of his teaching in order for them to continue that same teaching after he ascends back into heaven and and they establish our church. Now, notice this parable for today. It's not addressed to the apostles. Instead, it's addressed to the chief priests and the Pharisees, the religious establishment of Jesus' time. Now, why is that? Well, because they're all corrupt. And so Jesus wants them to hear this clear message that it's all about them. Consequently, we shouldn't be surprised in the language. It's very sharp and harsh. And yet, the lesson that we can learn from this parable is valuable for all of us. Now notice how it begins. It says, there was a landowner who planted a vineyard. Well, in that just that one line, it sums up the whole biblical theology of the Bible. The landowner is God. God is the creator of all things. And all of creation belongs to God. Next, it says, he planted a vineyard. Well, that's rich in symbolism, isn't it? A vineyard is a beautiful place. Maybe we've visited one, maybe we've seen pictures of them. It's not just beautiful, but it's a place of life. And that is what God intends for all of creation and for us. God wants the earth to be beautiful, yes, but also abundant with life for us. More to it, God wants to create out of a desire to share his life with us. And so God wants us to flourish. Now, I have often given you that quote from St. Irenaeus, God is glorified when the human being is fully alive. God wants the world to be a life-giving place for all of us. Now, next, it says, He put a hedge around it, he dug a wine press, and built a tower. Now, all three of these have great symbolism attached to them. A hedge, 
tells us that the vineyard now is a clearly defined place. Well, when you think about it, so is our world and the universe. But go back to Genesis and the story of creation, the garden. The garden is a clearly defined place by God. And God gives Adam and Eve full dominion over the garden, except one restriction. The tower. We climb any tower and we see for a long distance. Well, God sees all things in this world, and he's always concerned for us. The wine press. Well, it's a vineyard. It's a place where grapes grow. Well, in harvest time, you harvest those grapes, you crush them. The juice is fermented and stored, and eventually wine is produced. Well, wine is a strong symbol throughout the Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Now, when we drink wine, it tastes good, right? It lifts our spirits. We feel good. Well, wine was also used at the consecration in the Last Supper to consecrate Jesus' blood. Therefore, only Jesus' abiding blood lifts our spirits up. In fact, lifts our spirits up to heaven. And so the hedge, the tower, the wine press, these are all necessary in order to make the vineyard productive so that the vineyard will bear fruit for the harvest. See, they're all expresses of what God intends for all of us. Now take that example and apply it to us. God gives us all gifts for the express purpose that we may flourish and have abundance of life. God gives us many gifts. The greatest gift and the first gift is the gift of our life itself. Then God gives us the gift of our family, skills and abilities, our career, our possessions. See, these are all gifts given to us by God so that we too, just like that vineyard, will flourish and will have great life. Now, he leased the vineyard to tenants. Well, that was a common practice in the ancient world. Landowners would lease their land to farmers, and those farmers would then plant a crop and then work the land. In our day and age, we call them sharecroppers. Now, the tenants would negotiate with the owner use of the land, and they would provide a percentage of the crop as payment to the landowner. Well, symbolically speaking, we are the tenants. All of creation is God's. And yet, you could say, in some ways, God leases or gives us the world for us to use. Now, we are not the owners. Now, why does God do that? Why does he give us the world and the universe? Because he wants us to participate in his life. Mind you, we're not slaves to God. No, we're not, because God gives us free will. If we were slaves, we wouldn't be given free will. But we are tenants And God gives us the world so that we may flourish. And in doing so, now we have to be good stewards of all these gifts and use them for the benefit of God and others in this world. And so, in some ways, we work for God. And so, what do we produce? What's the fruit that we produce? Well, it's the virtuous life. Patience, prudence, kindness, charity, compassion, but above all, love for God. And faith. Now, what could potentially go wrong in all this? We forget that reality. We say to ourselves, well, you know, all this belongs to me. 
I worked hard and I earned it. My wealth, my possessions, my power, my skills and abilities, it's all for me to do as I please so that I can benefit by that. Now, next in the story, it said the landowner went on a journey. Well, the owner doesn't stay and micromanage his tenants. He's not constantly looking over their shoulders and telling them, well, you know, you need to prune the vines this way. You need to water them that way. He trusts that the tenants will care for his vineyard. Good. Well, God does the same thing for us. He doesn't micromanage us. He's not constantly looking over our shoulder. He doesn't say, well, you know, you haven't spent a lot of time this week in prayer. You need to go back into the chapel and pray more. Or he doesn't say, hey, you know, I've seen that you haven't provided a lot of corporal or charitable works of mercy. So you get out there and you start doing those. No, he trusts that we will be good stewards of the gifts we've been given and use them, not for our benefit, but for God's benefit, to serve him. Well, vintage time comes, a life of stewardship, sharing our skills and our abilities, our prayers and our prosperities, so that others may benefit by them. And so in the story, he sends servants to obtain his produce. Well, that's symbolic of the prophets. When does God send the prophets? When the Israelites forget their identity as tenants. They forget all of creation belongs to God. And they fail to practice proper stewardship. So God sends prophet after prophet. Now notice how the tenants seized these servants and how they mistreated them. Well, such was the fate of all of the prophets, pretty much. Not all of them were treated well. Look at Isaiah. He was literally sawed in half. Jeremiah was thrown down a well and killed. Now notice the landowner's persistence and patience. He sends one servant after another. Now he doesn't send an entire army in full force to take what is his and then destroy the vineyard. No. Instead, finally, he sends his only son. Now, that's a direct reference to John 3.16. God so loved the world that he sent his only son so that those who would believe him might be saved. And so God sends prophet after prophet. Finally, he sends his only son, Jesus. And what does Jesus do? Well, he tells us the truth. We are tenants. All of creation belongs to God. And see, I think that's the key. We find life and life in abundance by the very measure in which we acknowledge that truth and then live by it. Now next, the tenants, they say to themselves, let us kill the son and acquire his inheritance. Now in the ancient world, this could possibly happen. If no one was no longer the heir to a specific piece of land, the tenants that were working that land had every right to claim it. And so what did they do? It says they seized the son, they threw him out of the vineyard, and they killed him. Well, didn't the same thing happen to Jesus? He was seized in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was led out of Jerusalem and executed outside the gates Well, then it begs the question, what is it about this produce from this vineyard that he's the owner sends servant after servant and then sacrifices his own son? I think the deeper question is, 
What is it about us that God sends prophet after prophet and then eventually his only son to be sacrificed? You know, God doesn't want our possessions, our cars, our homes, our money. They're already his. So what is it? You know, what is it that God is so persistent that he wants to obtain from us? Well, it's our faith. It's our love. It's the pledge of our lives to God. God loves our faith. He loves our love that we have for him. And he loves our lives more than anything in this universe. See, that's why he's so persistent. See, we have to realize in this parable, we have a God that will stop at nothing to love us and seek our love. He'll stop at nothing. There's no lengths to which God will go, even to the extent of death on the cross, in order to seek our love. So what do we do? Well, we give God the greatest gift we possibly could give, the gift of ourselves. Give God your heart, your mind, and your soul, your will, and your intellect. Every time you pray, every time you engage the sacraments, every time you practice stewardship. See, when we do that, we flourish. We bear fruit, just like that vineyard. And we, do, we bear that fruit in the spiritual life. We grow stronger in our faith, and better yet, we grow stronger in our love for God. And that is exactly the produce that God wants from us. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.